I said, I want to be a successful business owner and entrepreneur. And I'm going to figure out what's going to give me the biggest success. And that, that fundamental shift in thinking that I'm going to figure out what is successful that I can do is different than being attached to one idea and never deviating off that idea. Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day, and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Robert Brill. Robert has worked in advertising for 20 years and is the CEO of Brill Media, a digital advertising agency for scalable business growth. The company has been honored 10 times across Inc. 5000 and Financial Times 500. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Robert. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Thanks for having me, Dwight. Appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you coming on. As we were talking about before I hit record, I'm excited to find out your your thoughts, your perspective, and your knowledge in regards to, you know, marketing and advertising. And there's so many charlatans out there. There's so many people that are a facade that present information that isn't accurate. Um, and, and they suck people in and that person might have their last few thousand dollars or they're borrowing money and they're desperate to get their, their business off the ground or they're, you know, or, or they're already in business and they're struggling because they, they don't know how to attract new people. So I'm really looking forward to your, your perspective on everything. We're going to get into that farther into the show though. And one of the things I start out with for the people that are new to my show, listening or watching on my YouTube channel I focus on a person's origin story. And why is that? Because the origin is something that is so important. It, it affects our decisions, our choices from when we're all the way from little kids all the way to adulthood. Things that make it so that we either are held back or we spring forward, right? And, and yeah. either or is good to know about somebody. So I'd appreciate, Robert, if you could do me the favor and tell me your origin stories and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently. Yeah. You know, as a, as a child, I have a five-year-old now and our child is so interested in Legos and he tells such great stories. And I, what I've been told is that I really, as a child, I wasn't really into Legos or putting stuff together. And I really watched a lot of television and um, I didn't really have that many hobbies or interests. I did, you know, karate for a little bit. And I really enjoyed baseball, little league baseball played until in up until high school, but I wasn't particularly talented. I just had like an, a, a, a physical height 
benefit. So like one year I was the best pitcher in the league and like literally the next year I was the worst player because everyone had caught up to me. Um, what I, you know, looking back on my life, what I, what I find to be the most, one of the most important developments in my, my life was when we got a computer in 1994, it, or it, maybe it was even 1995, I think it was, and it felt at the time late. Like I remember we paid like $2,500 for it. It was, you know, 256 megabytes. Um, and you know, you had the, the keyboard, you had the big screen, you had the, the, the box and man, when, when we got the internet, it was, such an incredible game changer for me. And I, I knew quite early into that experience that I'm going to figure this thing out. And I enjoyed the idea that we can communicate with people and there's a whole world of opportunity that lived inside this box if you know how to unlock it. So 1995, I was, I think, 14 years old. Um, and... You know, fast forward into college, I I, um, I got an internship at Universal Music, and it was a really great internship um, because I learned how to do social marketing before it was called social. It's called guerrilla marketing. We're posting in forums and talking about artists we were working on, like Hoobastank, The Reason is an album I worked on and, and really enjoyed. And um, I was there when we broke The Killers into the scene. And wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I love the killers. <laughs> yeah, they're good. What was beneficial to me is that I had to work all throughout college. I had worked at Universal Studios. I'm here in Los Angeles. Worked at Universal Studios for a couple of years, actually three years uh, during the summers and, and winter breaks and et cetera. I worked at Cold Stone Creamery, um, which is a really fun experience. And, you know, at the time I was kind of feeling sad for myself like oh man i have to work through college but it was the absolute best thing because i figured out the work that i didn't want to do like i worked at a a company that did was a value added reseller of um manufacturing software i was like this is not for me i don't i worked there for like a year i don't like that i mean it wasn't bad it just wasn't like what what got me jazzed up worked in a real estate office didn't love that but I knew that I was motivated by having what I look back. I wanted to earn money, but really what I wanted was freedom. And that's, that's a big part of our mission for our business. We want to create freedom for people because I want the freedom. I, I want to work the way I want to work. And I want to work from home and not commute. And I want to give other people the opportunity to have the same freedom that I have if they're willing to take the risk of starting a business and, and needing, needing clients and customers. So 2003, I got that internship at Universal Music. I actually went into debt to take that. So I, I, I ended college with not a big amount of debt, like $15,000. And like a third of that came from that last year in college. So I didn't have to work. I got paid. I don't know. I think I actually, the first part of it, I didn't get paid. And the second part of it, I did like 10 bucks an hour or something like that. Dramatic level of relationships. I mean, people that I still talk to this day that came out of that equation and people with such high caliber experiences. I mean, I was interning with and then got hired on with, you know, people from UCLA, USC, great schools. I had, I, I graduated from Cal State Northridge, which is a Cal State school 
And on the rung of education, it's a great school. I think I did really well with that education, but from a per prestige perspective, USC, very expensive, private school. UCLA, public school, also very expensive. Uh, great football teams on both. And so that led me to my first agency job at Universal McCann working on Sony Pictures. And these things kind of like just laddered up. Like I, I in college, I learned the type of work I didn't like and the type of work I do like. And then I got l so lucky to be, to earn my way into, again, one of these environments where the people I was working with were stellar individuals. They, Most of them went on to get their MBA. My boss at the time is the global head of worldwide whatever at Sony Pictures, massive title. And the the people I, I started school with, I started working at Universal McCann with were like, one one lady was it what had just come off being the president of the student body at I think at USC. And then there's me at a Cal State, you know, not the procedure school. And I just felt so fortunate to be in that really esteemed environment anyway. But, you know, my, my dad passed away on December 1st, 2010. So it's been 13 years. And <clears throat> upon reflecting on his passing, I realized how important the computer was for me, how important learning lessons from his career was, and really just understanding some truths about, I think, this world, but also me in particular. And the truths are work really hard, um, always be be coachable and 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 I can tell you that um one of the big reasons I started my business is because I wasn't coachable. I wasn't a good employee after 10 years working in advertising. So he passed away in 2010, I started my business in 2013. Um and really be um open to learning new things. And I know uh, you know I'm 42 years old right now and um, I know at some point everything is going to get harder for me, um, both physically and sort of like mental prowess. Like I know I need glasses sometimes more than I did before, or, you know, sometimes there's things I just don't want to learn anymore. But as a sort of ethos and way of existing, a big part of me is like, I've got to figure things out if I want to be competitive. I've got to keep the muscle strong of the advertising, the marketing, et cetera. So a lot of the work that that I like to do is I like, you know, a big part of why I started this job was number one, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't coachable, which really was an indicator of I didn't like being an employee anymore. I had to scratch this itch of entrepreneurship. The second thing is really the opportunity to take on more responsibility. I, I gave myself the title chief executive officer a few years into the business because I had a good idea that I wasn't going to be able to be a chief executive officer anywhere else. At the time I started the business, I wanted to have the experience of having more responsibility and making more money. And I didn't feel like I could get that at any other agency. And on top of all that, I really... I really want to stay working in advertising, so I'm really passionate about it. As I reflect on the last 10 years of this business, the the key defining factors for me have been, number one, having that freedom 
and creating that freedom for other people through scalable growth models for advertising. The second thing is magnitude of responsibility. I wasn't going to get the magnitude of responsibility that I wanted. Like there was a time in my life in advertising, we put together uh, media plans, these like ideas of the, the plan, the strategy, where are you going to run ads? How much is it going to cost? Who are you targeting? What do you expect out of the ads, et cetera? There was a time around the time my dad died in 2010 that I told my colleague, also a good friend, I said, I'd never want to write a media plan again in my life. I was like, okay. And and I was like, okay, so if I don't have the flex, I had a really great job at that point. And I was like, man, if this job ever goes away, which it ultimately did, I will have to do things I don't really want to do that will not bring me joy professionally. So that was like part of the equation of, of starting my business. So now I get to focus on things that have like this, like triplicate benefit. Number one, like I'm doing search engine optimization now. We don't offer that service. It's it's what I'm learning to do for our business. It has three benefits. Number one, we grow our business through better search engine optimization. Number two, it helps me understand how advertising, to better understand, because I have a good understanding, uh, to better understand with more in-depth knowledge about how advertising plays with search engine optimization. And then third, it lets me become a better practitioner of this work that I love to do. So a lot of the work that I'm doing now is, or a lot of the responsibility I have is, you know, we have operations team. I learned how to grow a team and ensure that they don't leave every six months because I'm a horrible boss. Like we figured that out. We figured out the risks and challenges of cash flow. We figured out how to great, create predictable, repeatable, and scalable business growth systems for our business. All, I figured out how to sell. I figured out how to overcome financial risk. And all of those experiences are what I was looking for in the job. Sure, I wanted money. Like I, I want to earn money and have a nice lifestyle. But professionally, I, I, I wanted to expand who I am. And I did that with the platform of the Brill Media business. But it all started. My love for communication started when I got that computer in 1995 and I said, holy cow, there's a whole world of possibility here. I've, I've got to, I've got to go for it. And I, I spent hours. I mean, I, I had to work in the morning, working at Universal Studios and I'd go to sleep at four. I had to be at Universal at like eight or nine. I was exhausted, but it was, that was the passion and vigor, which started all of this. Well, um, you talk about your first computer. I remember getting my first computer. I was 15 or 16. And this is obviously going to date me. My first computer was a Commodore 64. Some of the listeners, because I have a wide range of age listenerships, will know what a Commodore 64 computer was. It was something that, that completely changed my life and opened up the doors to my world. Back then, they didn't even have the internet didn't exist. They had what was called BBSs, and you may have read about them or experienced through other people talking about bulletin board systems. And you'd dial in with a like a modem that, and it would be like squawk and squeak before it connected up. And you got went into chat rooms, or it was just it opened up a world of experience because I grew up in a small community. I didn't grow up where I live now. Of at that time, ten thousand people, right? Little rural community, and I was that little you know, kid with some health issues, been bullied, and it allowed me to spread my wings and learn about things outside 
of our community outside of even Canada where I live. So it makes me smile when you talk about how it just, it rocked your world in a good way. And it did, yeah. it did the same for me too. People that have computers today, those that are listening, never take for granted and be grateful for what you have. Cause there's so many people that don't, your neighbor might not even have a computer and would love one because they're, uh, you know, they may not be that expensive, but they have, you know, a choice food or a computer. Right. Right. Not everybody has that ability. So um, don't take for granted if you have the ability to be wired into the world, but also be cognizant as well when you are wired into the World Wide Web, like into the Internet and have access to information. Use it as a tool for good. And that's what Robert has. And that's what I have. And, you know, just even my podcast, um, I use it as a tool to uplift and support people. And as you talked about, you're always out there to create freedom for people. And by being on this podcast, you're wanting to do that. By me doing Absolutely. it, we're, we're on the same page. We're on, you know, no people that we know, like, and trust. We are working to, you know, grow our tribe so that people can understand that they can have things that they want. But there's a struggle. You talked about the fact of, you know, you didn't want to really work during college. Yeah. Guess what, wanna. people? I'm feeling sorry for myself. But most people that I talk to that are forced to have to do that, I love your answer, though. You said it give you the ability to know what you wanted and didn't want. Because most people that go to college or university, they get caught into that cycle. And I did for a while. I went to college twice, once for computer engineering. Then I ended up not liking it, was good at it, but left and went into a few, a couple of years later, two, three years later, I went into electronics engineering at a technical school. And that was my jam. And I took it more serious where when I was doing the other, if I would have been forced to forced to work through it, which I wasn't, I'd gotten loans and stuff and I was partying and I wasn't taking school serious enough. So I really, it wasn't, it would have been something that I would have been able to see the world as it really is, right? This, okay, I'm going to school. Now I got to go to work. Oh, I look at these people that are working and, and they hate their jobs, Right, because if you learn, you learn to see people differently. You listen to their tonality, their body language, and just everything that they're doing. So, I really appreciate it. Hopefully, the people listening appreciated what you were sharing in your origin. There's so many nuggets of information. If you missed it, rewind it, listen to it again, because uh, Robert shared a lot of great things. Um, you know, even though it was a long time ago, sorry for the passing of your father, you know, at, at such a, you weren't that old, right? It's, no, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible to lose a parent and, yeah. um, you know, so sorry about that. I liked how you talked about, you know, we're going to jump into the SEO part. I like that. So many people don't take that serious enough yet. I read that some people say that it doesn't matter. Other people say it does. There's always conflicting information in regards to, to uh you know what seo can do for you but you looked past the fact of well seo is going to do this for me it's going to make me better it's going it, to you know yeah. it's going to make me understand things more you didn't look at it as a negative you looked at it as a stepping stone and obviously you you know you like you said you became a practitioner of it and you still are yeah um that's a good thing means you're tenacious you're not well you're, you're willing to hear both sides of the equation but you're willing to figure it out which side's right? Or is it a moderation? Is it a combination of both? Combination. It's an orchestra, right? Like you don't have one. I like that. Orchestra. Orchestra. You have like 
five or 10 different types of instruments and like 30 pieces. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So thank you so much for sharing your your origin. So you've been in a marketing industry for you know roughly 20 years. And I've seen, you know, and in our lifetime, we've seen so many things go from print, right, and some digital to really a world where if you don't understand the digital world of marketing and advertising, it's almost impossible to achieve exposure and growth, for whatever product or service or both that a person is trying to get out to the world. Do you find there's still a place for actual print media, such as flyers, mail outs, billboards, or is that simply a way to market that people are clinging on to due to lack of knowledge of the way that things need to be? You know, yes, there's, there's still a place for print media. Um, I talk to realtors and, and they say that print does really well with their flyers. I, I, I don't know the metrics on that. Like, I don't know what really well actually means, but anecdotally, yes, print does well. It's, you know, newspapers still exist, like the physical newspaper still exists. And the point here for me is that media evolves over decades. It doesn't evolve as quickly as even people in our industry say it evolves. Like the fact that people are still printing newspapers and reading them and getting delivered tells you everything you need to know. Like, like most things happen in a gradual ascension or, or decline. Like something's faster, something's slower. I mean, I remember from 2006 to 2011, we saw, you know, uh, MySpace's dominance slowly decline and, and, and complementary in a complementary fashion, we saw Facebook's uh, ascension in mindshare and awareness and certainly usage uh, amongst consumers. That happened over the course of like, let's say five years. But newspapers as a as a platform, as a medium, I mean, they they're in decline, but they still exist. So uh, I think I think it's really, you know, what I'm really interested in, actually, something that I think I haven't done yet, but I, I really want to test. Uh, what I was going to say is, I think every business has to find their the right combination the right makeup of the marketing for their business and that evolves over time as consumer behavior evolves but also as the business becomes far more capable uh of executing on their marketing campaign like the marketing we're executing today is far better than than the marketing we did in 2018 just because of our internal capabilities things got easier in the marketplace I become a better talker. I can do, I can conduct videos. It's easier to edit videos. There's a whole slew of different things, which is why it's really important for people to keep tinkering. The, I think I'm really fascinated with this idea of tinkering. Anyway, so this idea that like I haven't put into practice yet, but like I, at some point I want to do is, I, I don't know how it is in your neck of the woods, but like there's a school right down the street from me and they have banners, like physical banners on the fence. And you can pay like $400 and get a sponsor. So like I can sponsor the school, pay $400 and the 30 people in my neighborhood or hundred people in my neighborhood will see it. If one of those people turns into some business or tells someone all of a sudden you have a return on ad spend or return ROI, that could be dramatic. Now you do that over the course of like 30 schools all around the area, print banners for $400 that are up for like a year, that's a big opportunity. 
it's a, it's a little hard to scale. You can't do that nationally, but like realtors do a lot of that, real estate agents. Um, and I just think I want to try that because I want one person to be like, yeah, I'm going to spend $100,000 because I saw a banner on, on my kid's school. That makes, like, that's the type of thing where you really want to arbitrage like value. Like something your know, school doesn't doesn't think of themselves as a high value, you know, real estate because they don't know how to price it. They don't, you know, there there might be some. They, they, it's just not their level of expertise or their their form of expertise. And you know, they're trying to get volume. Anyway, so I think I think that's a really cool opportunity that I wanna that I want to test on your idea of print. But yeah, I think every every business needs to figure out their combination of factors and. The thing is, most businesses, unless you're like a Fortune 500, those businesses don't need that many customers yeah, to be successful. I, I agree with you. Like I'll have people, and it's effective. As one of the things I like that you said, you've you you're not the same person you were even, you know, back in 2018, five years ago. We evolve and change as entrepreneurs and grow or we die. There's no other choice. We either evolve or we grow. And grow or we die because I, I look at businesses. I, you know, I coach businesses and stuff, being a financial uh, planner, financial educator. I, I see them that where they, they arrive, they get camped in their mindset and they slowly de-evolve. Their business falls apart they could, because they just, they, they think they don't need to continue to grow or learn new ideas or step outside of their comfort zone. Because again, they've got that idea of, they've arrived. So, you know, you're talking about the fact of trying that out with the banners, yeah. but just by talking it out loud, you're already a step ahead of most entrepreneurs. Yeah. And you everyone are. should you... try this. Yeah. And, like, and I, I, I think really it's a great doing, idea, actually. What I, I really should be doing is figure, figuring it out and, and making my entire, like arbitraging that and, and making that the, the, the thing that could be a unique uh, selling point or something. Well, it could, Bo, you <laughs> could reach out to the schools and say, Hey, this is what this is what we can do for you. And this is how it can help you. And, you know, it's just a connection thing. So you talk about the fact you really couldn't scale it nationally. And one of the things I wanted to ask though is, so, you know, you, you talked about that local business or small business and think about scaling their growth through their advertising and stuff. Does a small business, should they always just stay local to start there? When you talk about scaling, or is there ever a reason why they should start scaling on a uh, like a state or a national level or for those in Canada on a provincial, you know, go from the city to a provincial to a federal level? Yeah. So, you know, take the same idea of geography and, and slice your audience in different ways, psychographic, age, transformative value. So what I mean by that is like, so I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in the Valley, you know, I could say I, I want to target people in Los Angeles. There's, you know, I don't know how many people are here, like 8 million people. And maybe some of them will work with me, but I don't think about my market, my total addressable market or the people who are coming that, that are available to me. So take a step back. A lot of our business, we work with businesses all the time, but so far, a lot of our business has come from other agencies. Creative firms, social media shops, strategy firms, they don't do ad buying, which is the key focus of what we do. Our job is to get ads in front of people across platforms to generate sales. That's what we do. 
but there's creative people that they don't get out of bed for anything under $35,000 and they'll make beautiful designs and they'll make the strategy, but they don't know how to buy ads because it's a different type of work. So we pair up and we go to market together. And there's like 30, 40,000 agencies in the country. So maybe 80,000 people, like the top two decision makers in a company, maybe three, 120,000 people that can possibly work with us. So I think about the market not as people in Los Angeles. I th I thought I talk about the market as the key decision makers at these thirty or forty thousand agencies. So think about I I advise every business right because everything at the at the end of the day is accessible on the internet right unless you have to physically be somewhere most most work um, can happen online or a variation of the work can happen online. So the answer is. If you are a physical business that requires people to walk into your physical location, yeah, you have a trade area. People might drive five miles to your business, 10 miles to your business, or two miles, depending on how densely populated your area is. Think about a restaurant. You're not going to go 20 miles for a burger that you can go two miles for or kilometers. Are you guys kilometers? I'm yeah, kilometers. we're kilometers. That's fine. Right. You see the point, right? Like you have a trade area. But physically for our business and for many service businesses, our trade area is the entire United States. So we have to think about a different way to break down who the audience is. Not about geography. It's going to be about job title or industry or, you know, transformative value that you can provide. And that's so how I encourage- The metrics are important, right? Yeah. And that's how I encourage businesses to think about it. So- you can be national. You probably should be national if there's a small number of people who can transact with you. And mm -hmm. yeah, like you mentioned, though, if your business is capable and it's not brick and mortar where you have to worry about somebody coming, you know, 10 kilometers, which is six miles or whatever, where they can, who are you attracting to your business? Or if you're somebody like you or I that can, I can literally transact with anybody in the world. Right. Yeah. Do I want to, or do I want to focus on, so I have to understand the metrics. I have to understand my, what am I trying to accomplish? Uh, am I wanting to go, is my business model or what I'm doing need to go global or is it just national or is it local to my community? People, what we're getting at is you need to think about it. And if you're unsure, you know, find out somebody that can help you through that coaching mentorship, right? reaching out to people such as Robert and hiring them and saying, Hey, we're, you know, instead of me trying to figure this all out, you've already gone through the school of hard knocks, Robert here, this is what I need to do. You know, let's exchange some money for your services so that you can help me make more money. All right. So I don't have to overcomp people overcomplicated. I've been there. You've probably been there. Yeah. And that's what, that's the difference between us and people that get stuck. I'm willing to say, Hey, I, I tried doing this on my own. I should have given up that weakness a long time ago. Now I'm ready to do it. <laughs> well, that's a great forward. point. That's a great point. My SEO journey, by the way, I've, trying to, I've been trying to figure out SEO since 2017. No it's idea. It's complicated. It's complicated because I've had people try to explain it to me or show me. And it's just like, okay, yeah. that's your deal. You <laughs> Here's the thing. I found someone. Uh, his name is Edward Sturm. He's a, he's a, he's a, he has a, podcast he talks about marketing and advertising 
And he's like, yeah, I can pay him a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars, depending on the setup. And he'll work with me for a few hours to give me a, a strategy for SEO. Now I'm doing the work. He's giving me the thinking. It's Edward's literally great, been six way. years that I've been trying to figure this out. And for like a, a few thousand dollars, I know everything I need to know to last me for at least a year to get the job done. So paying an expert is fast forwarding many years of wasted opportunity and possibly tens of thousands of dollars actually spent trying to figure it out yourself. If I'd have known him six years ago, amazing. Would have been so valuable. Game changer. Yeah. It's a game changer. And that's the part that fascinates me. Like you will never, you'll never go. You'll always go to a doctor when you're physically in pain. When something's wrong with you, you'll go to an, a mechanic to fix your car but business owners won't spend a few hundred or a few thousand dollars to fat accelerate their thinking and save them lots of time and create lots of opportunity because they want to do it themselves. It's a, it's a, it's a penny rich pound foolish type I of, agree. Uh, mentality. Yeah. And, and Edward, I actually had him on my show. It, the, it went li yeah, it was on my show a lot. It was last live last week, but uh, I have to agree. As a, as a amazing for him. holy yeah. cow but just his personality though right yeah. so but you know it, it, at the end of the day you just have to put in some effort you got to be willing to step outside of your comfort zone no success ever happens i tell that to people all the time well it isn't working i hired somebody so i'm never going to hire somebody again well if you have a medical problem that's really bad do you go for a second opinion 100%. i hope so right so why wouldn't you do that with your business? Your business is like a baby that needs to be nurtured. It needs to be fertilized. It needs to have some, it needs to be taken care of in order for it to grow. You need to put effort into it. And, you know, like you said, you mentioned, if you had had that opportunity six years ago, like, boom, where would you be? I'm the same way. And now today, so you think about when I started in my first as a serial entrepreneur, my first business I started. 30 years ago, right? So 30 years ago, when I started my first business, I didn't have all this. This didn't exist, like the plethora of connection to great people like you, to get coached over video, to have the world really at your fingertips with the computers that we talked about. People realizing that if I had today what when I started my first business, I probably would have never ever gone into a second business and closed my first business down. Right. I would have had so much more opportunity. So those listening or watching, you have the world at your fingertips. You really do. And you can go get a second opinion very simply, very easily before you even hire anybody. And now today with reviews and your name being searchable, right? Search, you can search up Robert, you can search up me. It's so much easier to filter through people. Right. 100%. And then having that conversation, narrowing it down, but have an idea what you're looking for before you reach out to that person, even if they have good reviews or whatever, at least write down on paper. That's your thoughts, right? Do a little bit of journaling and, and figure out your why. And if you're not sure how to do that, there's people such as me and many others, maybe Robert, you do it too. I sit down and goal set with people and help them figure out their why. And usually their why has to start personal. Like, why do you want to do that? I want to make millions of dollars. I want to do this. I want to do this in business. Why? What's happened in your life that has made you want this? Right. What's your personal life been? Like I talked about, it all starts at the origin. There's something that was a spark 
And that it can even be in their 20s. They had somebody they worked at a job that said something to them. And now they're working on the side as a side hustle, right? And it, they don't know where to go, but yet they, they got that spark and they're just, they're nervous. They're scared. I'm telling you, don't be nervous, scared. Put yourself out there. The worst you're going to do is get a boo-boo, put a Band-Aid on it, take another baby step, take another baby step. Don't right. quit because success is around the corner and you don't know when that success is going to be. And it's never overnight. Those listening or watching. Don't expect to start something and, and be an overnight success in a year. It's a three to five, can be a 10-year game plan. I know business people that have struggled eight, nine years. They're ready to quit. And all of a sudden, in their 10th year, something happens, and it's just boom. And those 10 years were just a blink of the eye, right? It was all worth it. It was an investment in their success. Yeah, you level up. Absolutely. So, Robert... There are over 10 million companies advertising on Meta. I was reading some of the stuff that you, you know, you discuss and 62% of them fail because they don't know how to advertise effectively. They don't have product market fit. They just don't know how to use Meta effectively. They don't know how to use data from advertising to make better business decisions like you, we were talking about. But this can't be just Meta. We will focus on Meta. This must be the fact of a lot of a lot of social media companies, like even Google, people advertise on there. I've done it before and and not seen the right results because even their own Google reps that you deal with don't seem to know what they're doing. Right. Oh, I yeah. find that they're not real experts. They're just spend more, spend more, spend more. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, at the largest platform of Meta, like Meta being Facebook, Instagram, and they changed it here in the last you know, was it about a year or maybe it's less, maybe it's a little bit longer where a person on an iPhone, for an example, um, can easily go, sorry, you don't need to know my information. So now right. they don't have the analytics to specifically target people. How has that affected what you do, right? Can you explain a little bit to the listeners so that they're kind of clued into what the old model was versus what the new model of what you need to yeah. worry about when you're dealing with meta. Would you mind please? Yeah. Yeah. So the old model was a lot more, uh, a greater fidelity of, of consumer data being passed back across the platforms, which meant that these platforms will, would know exactly the, the ads you saw, the actions you take and the purchases you make. What happens now is the data is, um, more opaque. It, it, it has less um, fidelity and you just don't see some of the consumer behavior that happens, but there's still a high degree of certainty. It's just not a hundred percent certainty. One of the big advantages that Meta has is that it has tracking all across the web on most sites by virtue of the fact that advertisers want to track activity and by virtue of the fact that ad, uh, businesses, web web properties, require people to, or give people the option to log in with their Facebook account. So like when you log in on your Facebook account, not your, when you, when you log into a website like Pandora or Spotify, for example, and you don't enter your email address and you instead verify your identity with Facebook, you're giving Facebook a lot of insight into who you are in aggregate. So it has a lot of data on most of us. And what happens in practice is that advertisers need to kind of like go back to basics and the basics are generate demand influence consideration and go for the purchase each of those three different actions or steps in the consumer funnel require different types of messages different types of key performance indicators or what you can expect from the ad and ultimately um 
you need to have these parts of the consumer funnel work together. In the old days, like before tracking kind of became difficult, um, you could only run, you could run ads and consistently generate sort of like bottom of funnel sales. Bottom of funnel just really means people who are interested right now generate, you know, generate a sale. So one of the key changes is that we have to generate new demand. New demand at this point is you run um, messaging such that you're not telling people to buy right now. You're telling people who you are, that your business exists so that they buy from you in the future. And then different type of ads are um, delivered such that you can generate a sale immediately. But these are the foundational principles of advertising as it's been for the last 70, 80 years, right? Like when you when you when there were three networks and you ran commercials, no one had any idea about which actual television spot resulted in a sale. Advertisers simply knew that you spend enough money where people are paying their attention and you will generate a certain number of sales every week. You spend more money, you're going to get more sales. So you take that underlying principle of marketing and advertising and apply it today. You run ads on Hulu and Roku, Tubi and Pluto, streaming, you know, ad supported streaming platforms. You run ads on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, et cetera. And then you run Google ads. And what ends up happening is all that demand that gets generated will show up in Facebook. Like you'll, you'll generate some sales via Facebook and you can see a lot more sales in Google. Search, search advertising and search engine optimization. Your organic search is going to perform better because you have more people thinking about your business because you're generating that more that higher levels of demand. So the aggregate impact of this lack of tracking is that we have to go back to fundamentals. But there are some things that, that Meta is doing, like Meta, for example, is using um, AI to understand activity that results in a purchase. So they're modeling a little bit of data, which really just means that instead of having 100% certainty about the actions that people take, we might have 97 or 98% certainty. It's not perfect, but it's very close. So you've been able to get around yeah. the fact of tracking being shut off. So, and that's what I wanted listeners and the viewership to understand. And as I hear it all the time, oh, I'm not advertising on social media. It's it's dead now. iPhone is too <laughs> powerful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, there's no way. People have to have figured it out. It can't be doom and gloom like you're saying. And I and I listen to people and let them have their opinion. But you know, it's nice to have somebody that's educated and and in the in the field, right? Literally uh with boots to the ground yeah. to explain that. Um, I know advertising can get extremely expensive extremely confusing and it, it can be frustrating because you know let's say you spend five thousand dollars and you get one client and your business what you do that client generates you ten thousand dollars that's that was a great investment of five grand but you spend five grand and get a client that makes you five hundred dollars <laughs> it, it could be because I deal with businesses not to help them with that, but to hear their complaints, right? Because sure. I'm their I'm their finance insurance person and help them understand the rules of the money game. So uh, I I get it, but that's when we need somebody like you, somebody that's got it dialed in, that's gone through the the challenges and you know the the school of hard knocks. 
right? And that, that school of hard knocks isn't bad like people think. That's a good thing. You just got to find somebody that's going to the school of hard knocks that's continuing to climb and not stay in right. camp. They're elevating, right? You know, you're you're experimenting. Like to me, it's similar to baking a cookie or a cake. Like I don't I don't I don't do that often, but I know that the difference between cooking savory food, like let's say chicken or or a burger or something, versus a cake, a burger or any sort of like savory food, your your main meal, you have a fair bit of flexibility in, you know, the ingredients you put in and it'll still come out good. A little more salt, a little less salt. You know, if the salt spills on it, then that's a different story altogether. But the reality is that marketing and advertising is like baking a cake or baking a cookie or some sort of dessert. Like you have to have the right, the exact measurements. Now, now, Think about you baking a cookie and you don't have the you don't have the recipe in front of you. You've got to bake 275 different cakes or cookies until you get exactly the right recipe. Then you write it down and then you keep doing that in perpetuity. With advertising and marketing, you've really got to find the right mix that really works for your business. One of the things for me was um Early on in our business, I posted on Twitter for like a year and a half. Actually, I think like 15 months. I had someone helping me, but I knew what I wanted them to post. Then one day, someone reach out, reaches out to us, and they became our first client that didn't come from relationships and a bigger client at that. 15 months of nothing on Twitter, and it turned into a, a, a very important client for us. And that type of thing is what you, you've got to believe as a business owner that you, you have something that people want, right? This goes back to product market fit. You might not have something that people want, that, that people want. So you've got to figure out, make sure you have something that people want. And then secondly, you've got to know how to talk about it. Going back to product market fit, it's got to have the right pricing structure. It can't be overly expensive or, or, or dramatically inexpensive. And then you've got to go to market and iterate on how you talk about your business such that you are inspiring and motivating people to spend money with you. And if advertising doesn't work, there's a, usually a few reasons. Number one, you just may not be executing on it well, which means you're doing it yourself. And you know, in your case, you're in this, this person that you mentioned. You're an insurance person. Of course, no one's expecting you to be an advertising expert. Right? Like you know insurance. You come to me for insurance, I'll give you the wrong ideas. I don't even really know what that even means. Like no one's coming to me for insurance advice. Just like you probably shouldn't be going to you shouldn't be going to you shouldn't be doing your own advertising. Work with an expert. It's possible that it's just being activated incorrectly. Another possibility is that you don't have product market fit. So if 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 it's being activated incorrectly, you need to work with someone who knows what they're doing and see if they can get results. If they can't get results, you also should consider that you don't have product market fit. You're not talking about it correctly or people don't want what you have or you think the or you're not clear on what the transformative value is. Transformative value is very important. Like why are people buying something from you? It's going to make their lives better in some way. It's going to make them more money. It's going to make them look or be or feel more appealing or it's entertaining. That's generally what it is. So mm -hmm. 
what are the reasons why people are going to work with you? Do you have a clear understanding of what you do that gets people uh, to spend money with you? And if you if you don't know that, then you've got to iterate on your messaging to figure out what that is. And the way you iterate on messaging is a couple of ways. And I'll tell you what I did. I spent two years going to conferences and talking to everyone I could about marketing and advertising. And I, I paid attention to when their eyes glossed over. I was like, okay, stop using these words because I, I know I can reference those words. And I started paying attention to when I made the conversation far easier for them to understand. And I focused much more on their transformative value and then how much I knew about marketing and advertising. Okay, cool. So now I understand what to say. Now I've just got to say it enough times to the right people so they start buying with me. And the way you can accomplish that, you can go to conferences, you can do that on social media. You could find your platform. Twitter is, you know, X is good for one thing. Facebook and Instagram are good for other things. TikTok is good for other things. Once you have your messaging down, that's probably when you should start spending money on advertising. There, As an aside, there are ways to identify your best products and services and your product market fit with advertising. It'll cost you a little bit of money. But your expectations have to change. If you're not sure if you have product market fit, then you're not running advertising to generate sales as the primary goal. You're running advertising to determine your product market fit. And you can accelerate the product market fit process by running ads rather than spending two years talking to people or two years posting on social media. So a big part of success for campaigns is actually just starting with what are you trying to accomplish and ensuring that what you're trying to accomplish is actually achievable because those campaigns may have actually been successful. You were just, you were just trying to achieve the wrong thing. That's another possibility. We see that sometimes where our client says, we want to achieve more sales, but we want to spend half of our budget on connected television. Like, okay, cool. You can do that, but you're not going to get sales from connected television directly. You've got to spend a bunch of money on Google and a bunch of money on Facebook. And so the advisory component here is, is just aligning your strategy with what's achievable and then executing on that effectively. And there's a lot of moving parts that businesses don't know, which is fine because you're not supposed to know, but you are supposed to achieve the result in some way. And usually that some way is by working with an expert. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh I look at all the plethora of things that people need to do. And you talked about maybe you're advertising to figure out what your fit is. And really at the end of the day, starting to advertise before, like I know myself on social media, posting stuff in regards to my, my business or podcast, or just doing a live video talking about, you know, circumstances of what's going on and not necessarily business. It can be personal, is right. all important because as people get to know me on a personal basis, they get to know, like, and trust me more when they get to see the fact that I'm consistent about, you know, oh, he's got posts about the podcast. He's got posts about finance stuff. He's got, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden I get in, I, I get that. So that there's a segment of the population that's seeing my posts, they're liking it. Yeah. Then they, I start advertising because now it's, it's going to be, but just to dry advertise and they don't know who I am, 
I, I would guess like you're saying your 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 actual numbers of what you're going to complete are going to be less because nobody knows who the heck you are. All of a sudden, you're just somebody that's throwing spaghetti on the wall and saying, hey, I'm the expert at this. Pick me. Which is <laughs> right? which is a perfectly fine strategy. Quibi did that. Remember Quibi? Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the challenge is there's always a way. It's it, everything you do with advertising and marketing really comes down to the equation of or it's a continuum. Do you have time or money? It literally doesn't matter. You could be the biggest organization in the world or the smallest organization in the world. Do you have time or money? What do you have more of? As a startup founder, you say the general thinking is, unless you're funded by someone, but the general thinking is, I have more time than money. No matter how much money I actually have, I want to save the money for when I know it's working and I, I need the runway. Because I, if I... If I um, spend all the money, then I don't have any more money, then I can't actually continue the business. So I have more time. Or do you have money? Quibi had billions of dollars, or I don't know, probably hundreds of millions of dollars. And they said, "I no one knows what Quibi is. We're just going to spend a ton of money educating people on what Quibi is. The, so you could do that. You could spend a ton of money educating people on what on who you are and your services and why you're why you're relevant to them. But at some point, the money's going to run out. And the, and the challenge with Quibi is it still goes back to this idea. They thought they had an idea. They spent a ton of money on it. We actually worked on uh, a campaign for them at, at one point through one of our partners. And they didn't have the right product. They didn't have product market fit. They fit a square peg in the round hole and spend millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars marketing the wrong thing for people that didn't didn't want that didn't want the thing that they have and had they been a startup or, or had they been more nimble for example they could have pivoted into this other thing but you had i forgot who um who was one of the key founders but like anyway very talented director had lots of money do you, do you know who it is by any chance? no i don't i don't remember the, the name but i don't know enough about them i know who they are but i don't yeah. know enough about them but they had this one idea and they wanted to see if it would work. Whereas business owners and entrepreneurs, one of the key things that's so important to us is I've, I want to be tied to a successful endeavor, but I'm not tied to the idea. I started four businesses, influencer marketing firm, consulting firm, influencer um, and social media content. And the fifth one was what I do, programmatic or digital ad buying. I didn't go into the market and say, I have to start, I have to be successful with what, with let's say influencer marketing. I didn't say, this is the thing I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to live or die on. I said, I want to be a successful business owner and entrepreneur, and I'm going to figure out what's going to give me the biggest success. And that, that fundamental shift in thinking that I'm going to figure out what is successful that I can do is different than being attached to one idea and never deviating off that idea. So every business owner listening has, you know, a big part of our job is to figure out the intricacies of the business that we're working on so that it's successful in any way that it can be successful and not be tied to, look, I have... I'm only happy with success in my in my business if I can do the marketing. That's a silly way of looking at it. 
Yeah. No, it, it's not about, it's not an I thing. It's a team, yeah. right? It's a team approach. And so many people just don't, they don't understand that. And, you know, I get it. Small business owners, entrepreneurs that are listening, even big business owners, we start, we have a very finite amount of money and we're very protective of it because maybe we've quit our job and, and, you know, we have some savings or we don't have savings and we're running off a line of credit or a loan or whatever the case may be. But then you need to get things even dialed in more, right? Quicker. You, you know, we got to get past that fact. Well, this, everything that you're doing to try to better your business or get your idea out there or your product to market, or, you know, just you to market where people know, like, and trust you is not an expense. It's an investment. 100%. And I find, I find most people that I coach in the life side style of coaching are so stuck in that, you know, expense, expense, expense. And when I do a lot of extensive budgeting with businesses or even individuals, I'll say to them, okay, this is actual expenses. This here, it, yes, it comes out of the same bank account, but this is an investment. This right. is why you could invest this money back to that thing we were talking about. You could invest five thousand dollars and get a get a you know, you could get twenty thousand dollar client. You could get a hundred thousand dollar client, just like you. You you were saying fifteen months, and all of a sudden you got a great you got a great investment out of it. Yeah. People quit too soon or they don't know what the expectations because they think they want to be the expert or they can figure it out from YouTube or whatever else. No offense to YouTube, but not everybody can DIY your, your life, right? You need to get that expert that's actually figured it out. So I want to ask you though, one of the things that I read about you is you, you talk about, you know, we talk about TikTok and I know myself when I put stuff on TikTok versus Instagram, Facebook, or whatever. I get way more engagement on TikTok. Some yeah. people say it's because, well, they have their algorithm dialed differently because they're they're trying to grow. They want to take out their competition. Um, but I find TikTok though, even if I post a, a finance picture or, you know, like of a way scale of money, or if I post yeah. something that's completely not finance, it's about hockey, which I'm passionate about, or my grandkids, the engagement's way higher if that post is on Instagram, it's low. Yeah. Or one, you know what I mean? But it's really high on Instagram. So what does that have to do when you you say that TikTok is now the de facto standard for marketing and advertising? Can you explain yes. what's going on with all these platforms and why that is your belief? Yeah. I mean, there on Instagram, there's there's far more supply of content. There's a lot of people posting. Um, which means the demand is is has to kind of like uh, calibrate. It's really hard to break through the noise on Instagram. And, and the core idea is, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in really breaking, breaking through on Instagram or even on Facebook. You've got to go where you can take advantage of the, in, the attention economy. And the way you can do that right now is TikTok. I think LinkedIn is another place for many businesses, not all, but many businesses. And like TikTok is just, it, it, you're like, I agree with that. It, it's got you dialed in. Like it's primetime programming for you at any time of day or night. Like it knows your interests. It knows your, uh, what you're likely to be paying attention to at any given moment, by the way. Like I notice when, um, when, when sort of like breaking news happens, if I show that I'm interested in something, I will spend the next 15 minutes getting that type of content and eventually TikTok will recalibrate into my normal 
browsing uh, uh, or consumption patterns because it knows that maybe I'm going to be interested in something for a little bit of time, but like at some point I'm going to go back to my normal interests. So with that being said, I think it's very important to create content for TikTok because as a business, the people who are interested in the thing that you're selling or the service that you're selling are going to get your videos. And if your content resonates with people more than sort of like an average, you're going to get a lot of views. So you're not going to get that experience on Instagram or Facebook. You're going to get that experience on TikTok. So when I create content, I post five days. Right now I'm posting seven days a week on TikTok, but for majority of the year, we, we posted five days a week. And I sit with the setup. I create content. I edit it with the script. And essentially I post. And it's anywhere between one and three minutes usually. And then that content gets syndicated across all the major platforms, X, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. But we start with TikTok because it's the most powerful place. Um, and, and that's going to change. You know, I'm hearing that LinkedIn is a good place for um, content engagement. It's certainly been a very important platform for our business. We've been invited to pitch big advertisers off of people seeing our content on LinkedIn. Um so yeah, this goes again back to this idea of like every business has to create that custom marketing framework that works for them and in maximize the heck out of it while you can. And then as the marketplace shifts, recognize that the marketplace is shifting and go where the attention is. Makes sense. One of the things that you mentioned about LinkedIn and, you know, it frustrates me because LinkedIn has obviously their free platform and they're constantly wanting you to go to their professional platform, which isn't cheap. It's 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 not a cheap place to, you know, it can be $80 a month. And for some people, that's that's a lot of pill to swallow. But they tell you right in the fact that, oh, we'll give you a free month. And then if you here's why it's good to pay, you're going to get more engagement. So obviously they throttle down the the algorithm comparison to whether or not you pay to play. Yeah. I know Elon's starting to work that way too. He wants people to pay. Facebook Meta wants you to pay to get that check mark. And it, it's going into such a plethora of, because are they doing that because it's another stream of income or are they doing that because they're losing so much money to advertising? Is it a good thing to do? Like should a person like myself actually pay that fee to LinkedIn? Um, yeah, I think the equation is the following. Number one, um, privacy regulations around the world are becoming tighter. So like right now in Europe, Facebook is being forced to create a paid tier of Facebook. Wow. But that's actually kind of good because, okay, so not a financial expert. My understanding of this equation is that when a when a company has advertising based revenue it is so um it it is not guaranteed revenue so if any shock to the market happens they will automatically lose revenue like what happened during the pandemic right like advertisers dramatically stopped spending in ads so the marketplace values advertising based revenue at um the marketplace values advertising based revenue at 3 to 4 multiple so like your the value of your business times three or four. But the marketplace 
values monthly reoccurring revenue for a subscription at seven or eight multiple. Oh my gosh, sorry. At seven or eight multiple, which means even though it's less money, you're going to actually that be come in. You're going to have a dramatically higher valuation in the marketplace because you have that consistent monthly recurring revenue. So number one, it's valuable. Monthly recurring revenue is key to, to, to big valuations for a company, especially for a company like Meta. With Elon Musk and X, there's a few things happening. Number one, he's alienating big advertisers in a dramatic way. They feel uncomfortable with the platform. Some of the stuff he says is anti-Semitic. Um, big brands don't feel safe on the platform. And very publicly, uh, like Disney, for example, pulling advertising from the platform. So there are, you know, big brands are starving X because it's a brand safe and it's not a brand safe environment. Well, because they're allowed to, he lets people say whatever, right? He's in, he's taken the locks off that were on certain people prior to it going from Twitter to X. And yeah, I had that as one of my questions. So I'm glad you brought that up. He's, he wants to be a pay platform. He wants to, yeah. where people can use it as a payment system. Like he's got big visionary stuff, whether or not it pans out, I don't know whether or not it's worth him to alienate all those big advertisers. I guess remains to see Well, time will tell. Well, so advertising for, so the challenge with X, it's got dramatically lower um, user base than like meta, the collective meta platforms. So it's actually far harder to monetize. That's why Twitter or X kind of gets compared to a public utility because it's a, it's a, it's an exceptionally valuable um, platform but it looks and acts a lot like utility because it becomes so foundational to the way people communicate. So this goes back to the multiples again, a company that has technology and Twitter or X, as it stands now, has a ton of proprietary technology, but on one of our accounts, we're paying, I think $22 a month um, to have access to Grok. It's a new AI, it's chat GPT competitor. Unfortunately for me, it blocks all the ads. <laughs> I want to see the ads. I want to see what's going on in the marketplace. But I understand a lot of people don't want to see the ads. So by combining, um, by bundling capabilities, giving you more reach on your tweets or your, your posts, by giving you access to AI, and by giving you that verification logo, you now have this value proposition for monthly recurring revenue that can be bundled together to this $22 a month premium. So it's important. In other words, that, you know, people pay that eight or $12 a month to Elon and that $20 a month to Instagram or whatever the, you know, the $80 a month to LinkedIn, you're saying it's a value added investment. Well, on an individual in basis, it depends on the individual, right? Like $22 a month, like for this premium on X, it's this new thing. Access to new AI. Yeah, I love it. That's great. That's valuable for me because I can, I can do a lot with that. My mother should not spend that money Makes because sense. there's no return on it. There's no benefit to her. Now, there could be benefits for people like my mother who have disposable income maybe that like to tinker that like to keep themselves busy. I've seen people at Starbucks who look 
nothing like who I would expect to be using mid journey, for example, just like trading art on mid journey for an hour and a half at Starbucks. I'm like, wow, this blows my mind. You look like someone's aunt who I would never expect to be on the forefront of AI. And you're here at Starbucks. I'm like, what? This was before I even knew what mid journey was, by the way, I discovered mid journey. Cause I, I realized that people were spending time on this. And if this random person who's probably not in the tech business is on this and paying a fee for it. Like this was, you know, mid journey, like you got to pay a fee for access. I was like, man, this is amazing. So there is value. So for each individual, the question is what's the value proposition? Do I get enough value by paying $20 on Netflix or whatever I'm paying for HBO for max or for Disney plus, you know, it's an individual value proposition decision that needs to be made. But I'd say for entrepreneurs, if you're the type of person that likes to tinker, like we accelerate our business in a really in, in a few interesting ways because of chat GPT. And so that's valuable for me to pay 20 bucks a month for chat GPT and to figure out ways to use rock and whatever else is happening in the marketplace. Yeah. What a great answer. I appreciate that. So Robert, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? <laughs> giving a heck and never giving up. You've got to give a heck about, about your business, about your life. You've got to be intentional and deliberate with the way you live your life. That's what it is. Don't, don't, don't give life an opportunity to kind of like take you where it needs to take you. Like, don't, don't be a jellyfish. I don't know. That's just, just best way of saying it. Like if you, if you have a goal with your business or your life or your marriage, identify that goal and work retro, you know, uh, re-engineer your life to achieve that goal in whatever amount of time you have to achieve that and expect it to take longer than you think it'll take. But that's the ultimate goal. That's that's the foundation of our success. We had a vision for what we wanted to be. I didn't want to be a freelancer. I'm not a consultant, even though I tried that. Um, I'm building an agency. And life has a way of opening doors with opportunity to allow you to fulfill that goal. But the same opportunity presented in front of you, you don't see it as an opportunity if you're not if you don't have a goal set in mind. So having the goal and having the imagination to pursue your, your, the best possible version of your life, I think is very important. And, and you've got to give a heck. Oh, absolutely. What a great closing message. I appreciate that. So our time is almost up and I want to respect our listeners and your time. However, before we end, can you please tell the listeners and people watching, what's the best way to reach you? Um, our website is Brill Media co be as in boy r-i-l-l media.co there's a contact us form and uh, you'll be prompted to schedule a time with me for a strategy conversation my email is robert at brill media.co and uh, happy to talk to anyone that wants uh marketing and advertising points of view absolutely fantastic conversation that we've had you've shared so much knowledge um listeners or viewers new to the show just go to giveaheck.com, go into the podcast area, and you'll see a picture of Robert. And below, you'll see abbreviated show notes where you'll have that information Robert just shared with you, as well as his social media links, so that you can, you know, stop sitting camped in your life, 
start the climb and start the journey of being the best version of you. And that would be getting a hold of Robert if you are intrigued by anything that was said in this conversation. Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? Thank you for your time, Dwight. Really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, so did I, Robert. Thanks so much, brother. And thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Robert. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.